I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 280. And today in the show, Dan and I are talking about the power of habits and other life structuring processes that can help you better prepare for and enjoy your next hunting season. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And today, I'm joined by my right-hand man, Dan Johnson. And I was going to try to fit some kind of joke in there when I when I thought <laughs> I'm going to say, like, I usually write up just some very basic notes. And, like, those are the words that just, like, came out, like, right-hand man. And I yeah. thought, there's got to be a finger joke in there somewhere. No, it's not. A, I'm not a full right-hand. It's well, like. That, well, that was, that was the Four issue, fifths. though. I was thinking in my head, I'm like, I couldn't remember if your nub is on your right hand or your left hand. Yeah. Which yep. is it? It's on the right hand. It is the right hand. Okay. So so that would have played very well into my wording there. Yeah. Well. Well, next time, buddy. You next got, time. If you're going to be a stand-up comedian, you got to practice your routine before you actually go on air with it. I know. I think what we did here is this is more of like a choose-your-own-adventure. So everyone, <laughs> everyone can now insert your own... Uh, missing one finger joke for Dan right now. Think of whatever kind of thing you'd like to throw out there at them and, and say that to yourself. <laughs> Chuckle. And we're going to pause for a moment for you to enjoy that laugh. And continuing on. <laughs> the, uh, the hunting industry's punching bag, Dan Johnson. Here we <laughs> yeah, go. Exactly. So I'm here with Dan. And um, what I want to talk about today is a little different than usual. Um, but it's something that I think is really interesting. And this is habits. I want to talk about habits and systems and processes. And and what I mean by that is all the stuff that we do throughout our day or throughout a hunting season or throughout a hunt, all these things that we kind of subconsciously do or these processes that we develop and then just start doing it all the time without really thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I, I spend a lot of time reading about or listening to podcasts or watching videos from different folks that kind of um, like study excellence. I'm really intrigued by just like studying people that are high performers and like how they do it. So whether that be CEOs or athletes or writers or scientists, um, it's really interesting to me to try to study these high performers and then pull out like what are the things that these people do that can be applied to 
to my daily life or to what I do as a hunter. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what we try to do with this podcast in general is we talk to all these really high-performing hunters and try to pull out little lessons from them, little patterns. Um, but I think there's things that we can take from folks outside of the hunting world and pull that into the hunting world sometimes to help us. Um, so kind of on my own, I, I do this and I look at folks and I think about how that could be applied to hunting, but we've never really talked about it. Um, on the podcast. So I thought we maybe today could do that kind of, you know, I've been, like I said, reading all sorts of stuff recently about the power of habits. So how creating these habits or, or changing bad habits can help you. And so I thought we could talk a little bit about what that means, how that might apply to what we do as hunters, um, and then walk through some of the things that you and I do, Dan, talk through some of our habits, talk through some of our processes, talk about different things we do throughout the year that maybe help or hurt us in our hunting goals and whatnot. So that's the high level plan. Um, before that though, I thought we should at least take a little time on the front end since you are here, Dan, to get our, uh, our pregame show. And <laughs> you're, you're always game for that, right? I guess. <laughs> um, so first off, we got to give a quick shout out to the moms, right? Yesterday, right. the day before today, yeah. when we're recording was mother's day, uh, big shout out to all the moms out there. Now having a child of my own, and seeing everything that my wife does, I am even more grateful than I ever have been and have just a new appreciation for all the moms out there. So big, big thanks, right? Um, right. And Dan, did you guys have a good Mother's Day? Yeah, man. We uh, you know, we went out for breakfast uh, to like a really good breakfast joint. Uh, then we ended up going over to my buddy Ben Harshine's house later that day and um, uh, having this little pseudo mother's day celebration and nice. uh, let the kids run around and you know that was it man just a, a low-key you know spent some time outside at a park and uh we went to this uh nature observatory well it's like not necessarily an observatory they call it a raptor center where they have all these um like owls and different birds of prey that have been injured whether they've been hit by a car attacked by a dog or they've gotten in fights and broke their wings. They bring them to the center, they rehab them, and then they try to let them go or they just keep them there and feed them. Uh, you know, this, there's, check this out. Here's a fact for you. The, the one eagle in captivity, bald eagle in captivity there is 34 years old. Wow. I didn't even know bald eagles could live that long. Yeah, that's impressive. So we did that and it was just a fun day. That's awesome. Sounds, sounds like a real good day. Do you guys have nice weather? Uh, you know, just like everywhere else in the Midwest, man, it's been below, it was like the high of high of 50 yesterday. Yeah. So and the, and the clouds were, uh, out. So it's not like it was gorgeous. Like today it's gorgeous out. It's going to be like a high of 65 and, uh, but yesterday was a little cool. Yeah. I was wondering if you guys had the nice, the nice weather yesterday. Cause I, I see in our forecast, it's going to hit us probably tomorrow. Yeah. It's still lousy here. Um, but gosh, I really, <laughs> I hope that spring arrives. It seems like the way things are going, it was almost like winter, 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 and now it's been like crappy spring. It'll probably just jump right to summer here. We're not going to have like a nice spring. Yeah, at least right. Where I'm at. It's been yeah. raining and raining and raining. It's like crazy. So other than that, man, we just did. Uh, me and the wife, my dad. We had t-ball on Saturday, right? So both kids had t-ball games. Uh, did that, and my dad came down to watch that game, and then. Uh, after the game was over, he stuck around and watched the kids for about, oh, an hour and a half, two hours. And me and the wife, we went out mushroom hunting. I saw so, that on Instagram. You guys have been yeah, finding man. some, huh? Yeah, we found, we got 
we've had uh, one meal of them so far, and we got enough for about probably two more meals or a big meal. And uh, I don't know. I, I love morels. And I've even expanded my mushroom game this year into a, another uh, species called a pheasant back. Hmm. And uh, it's not too bad, I must say. I, I, I experimented with a, a couple of them. And, uh, they turned out horrible, but then I found uh, a way to uh, make them that wasn't so horrible. And, uh, they're actually pl- pretty flavorful if you do it right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I, every year I, I tell myself that I want to get out and try to do that and I never end up getting into the schedule, but, but tentatively I actually am planning on doing some this week. So do you have one mushroom hunting tip you can share with me? Your best tip? Dude, it's just like looking for sheds, but much, much smaller. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like, because we found them in your typical, uh, typical locations, like really old decayed trees down, you know, as the water runs down, that nutrient runs, nutrients runs down off that really old decayed tree, really good moisture, really good fertilization, you know, or fertilizer in the ground found them there. But then we also found them like one of them popped up in the middle of nowhere you know, where you wouldn't think one would find. So we found a couple there as well. And, uh, so it wasn't like there, it's just like shed hunting, dude, put your head down and walk real slow in the woods. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm gonna try to kill a turkey this week. And then if I can achieve that, then I'll start walking slowly with my head down and, uh, hopefully find some mushrooms. That's my, that's my game plan. Yeah. Well, if you get the opportunity and I don't know what it is, maybe it's nostalgia, but if I could, if I could have like, a last supper, let's say I get convicted of, you know, some double homicide, right? Whatever. And I go to, I go to jail and I'm going to be put on death row. I think my last meal would be panfish, like deep fried panfish and morel mushrooms huh. and like a potato salad. I mean, that's like, that's like my favorite, man. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good meal. I like that. I, I would do, if I was going to go with fish, it would have to be a deep fried walleye filet. Oh yeah. With uh with sliced thin potatoes and onions that are thrown yep. in the fryer too. That right yep. there would be my nostalgia meal. You got me rethinking my last supper, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's getting me hungry is what it's doing. I had uh I, know. I had I made like a fruit smoothie yesterday and like had enough for two servings so i saved some for this morning and and drank it this morning and it like fermented or something so it was not good this morning but i still drank it and so i'm just working off a really horrible (laughs) breakfast and and this just makes me want to go fry up some fish or cook up a steak or something i know i know ah speaking of cooking up steaks um I have a little bit of a hunting season update uh, that we haven't got to talk about yet as far as what I'm doing this year. Okay. Um, Last time we talked, I think, was just after my big Montana trip, right? Right. Is that right? Maybe a couple, two, three, probably three weeks ago. Yeah. So I did that whole Montana trip, found a bunch of sheds, scouted out five different properties because, you know, definitely going to hunt Montana. Um, And then I found out I didn't draw a tag in Montana. Okay. Which I didn't even know was a thing. Like the last three years, I drew every year. It seemed like, and for what I heard in past years, is pretty much a guaranteed draw. Um, but apparently, I've been talking about Montana too much or something. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about this, did we? Uh, I don't think on I don't the think air. We did, no. no. Um, so, so yeah, I, uh, Montana, 
not happening. So, so yeah, after that, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Um, I still want to do that first week of September trip that I've really come to enjoy these last few years. Um, so pondered a bunch of different ideas, thought about trying to hunt, you know, uh, maybe Wyoming, maybe Nebraska again. Um, ended up settling though on North Dakota because it's the one place that I have scouted a bunch already. I've hunted it once before, further hunted there before, and it's, it's just a really, really cool area, but I haven't figured it out yet. And yeah. there's like that, you know, that feeling where you go try something and you just get humbled and right. you have that bitter taste in your mouth and you want to figure it out. Like I want to yeah. get it right eventually. I feel like I need to, before I go tramping off somewhere else, I need to figure this spot out and and check that off my list or conquer that that challenge so that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a north dakota early season hunt now well buddy let me throw a little salt out there for you i don't know if that's the right term but let me throw another i've never heard this i don't know i don't know maybe (laughs) i just throw some salt out there (laughs) throw some salt out there for you salt on the sidewalk uh we got an opening uh on our uh, elk hunt second week of uh september if you're interested I would love to do it, but I just... Over-the-counter, guaranteed tag, bud. Colorado, right? Colorado. Yeah. Good encounters last year. I know it. Just didn't seal the deal. I know it. I I just can't do more than... Or at least as as things stand, speaking of Mother's Day, yeah. uh, what I have is, is, is like a seven-day window I can get away with each uh, each month. I just don't think I could do both again this year. But let me... Let me stew. Maybe there's some way I could finagle something. Right. Um, are you driving? You're driving, right? Well, uh, so my buddy Ryan, he's going out. He's gonna. He's doing two weeks out there. So he's nice. going to be like up in the mountains for two weeks. And so then I'm meeting him the second week out there. And, um, uh, and then so I'm flying out. He's going to pick me up. And then we're driving back. Cool. That's – man, Ryan's going – Balls deep, two weeks. Oh yeah, yeah. Good for him. Yeah, I, I'm just like, dude. You know what you're doing, <laughs> you know? Because you know, you know, not questioning his manhood per se, but just like, man, two weeks out in the mountains is no no joke, man. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, he'll uh, spend that amount of time. Definitely will help reset the uh, reset the clock for you after a whole yeah. lot of long days in the office and stuff. So I imagine yeah. that'll. Uh, That'll be leaving him feeling good. Man, yeah. I'm excited about getting just out west in general. We're taking off at the beginning of June, I think. And yeah. um, and that will be that will be exciting. So yeah. I understand and, that. And then let's see. Uh other than okay, so you're doing your mule or uh you're doing your whitetail hunt in North Dakota now instead yeah. of Montana. I am going doing my elk hunt second week of September, and then I'm taking a mule deer hunt probably the first or second week in October to south dakota yep so that's happening for sure now, right yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm doing some research uh you know making some connections getting a lot of great intel um you know i i got lucky i ran into a guy who uh used to live there in where in the area uh, but he's since moved away and he doesn't want to hunt mule deer anymore in that area so he's like hooking me up with some knowledge and, uh, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. That's uh, going to put you in a good position to get started. 
Yeah. At least, at least knowing that there's mule deer in an area or any game, like whenever, whenever you, and this, we can probably transition at some point to this, but knowing that there's animals, whenever you take these big out of state hunts, right. Knowing that there's animals in the area is almost like half the battle. It's that confidence, like the yeah. confidence booster. If if you at least know that piece of the puzzle is in place, then you can worry about everything else. But but I 100% agree. If you just don't even know if there's animals there, then you find yourself second guessing everything, right? Everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's you just almost need that initial foundation. Once you have that, then you can start going down the list of okay, are they here or here or should I be approaching it this way or that way? But yep. if you're still like waffling on, man, are we even in the right general area at all? Then I, you know, it was kind of like our elk hunt a handful of years ago. Like, are they anywhere around here? We weren't hearing right. anything. Were we seeing anything? Like, we should, should we completely pick up shop and go somewhere totally different? Yeah. Um, that can be tough. So that's, uh, again, so, so, so Colorado elk, South Dakota mule deer, Iowa whitetails for you. I'm mm-hmm. going to do the North Dakota whitetail hunt. And then I tentatively am going to go down for a short trip, just like a couple days down to Texas and um, there is a guy kind of interest. I didn't think about this before mentioning this, but kind of one of these people who studies other like high performers, um, an author and writer that I, that I really, uh, that I really like tentatively planning on taking him out for his first deer hunt ever got in touch with this guy, we exchanged a couple notes and he has some interest in trying to learn about hunting and kind of getting back to the land. Um, so I said, Hey, you know, you have any interest in trying hunting? And uh, he was interested. So I think we're going to try to get out for a short hunt together. That'll be a really cool thing. He lives down in Texas. Um, so that'll be a quick one. And then I'm going to try to do that Boundary Waters hunt in Minnesota that I had a pass on last year. So going to do that. And then the new thing, this is another thing we haven't talked about, Dan. Um, but I am tentatively thinking about now, and maybe I mentioned this, um, I'm going to try to do the tracking down a deer hunt in the snow. So go out to like the Adirondack mountains out in New York or out to Maine and go hike through the big woods, public land and try to walk one down um, and do like a backcountry whitetail hunt of that kind of fashion. Huh? So very interesting. Yeah. Very, very different. So I'm trying to get like some very different types of hunt and hunts in this year. I'm going to do, you know, the North Dakota early season, kind of typical hunt like i've been doing then i'll have my usual michigan stuff then there'll be the the canoe in backcountry hunt in october and then a hike in mountains tracking deer in the snow hunt in the late season um this is gonna be very very different kinds of experiences well your lucky ass will probably fill all your tags again this year and uh (laughs) probably (laughs) i i don't know like you walk into a place and i don't know i just there's a, there's a part of me that feels like you're that one YouTube guy where he's just like, come here, come on, <laughs> come on, come here, dear. Come on now. Yep. Yep. Come on. And the deer just are kind of so curious of what the hell's going on. They just like walk up to you and then, and then you shoot them. Is that <laughs> no, what it's like? <laughs> no, Dan, it's, it's all about good habits and processes and there systems. We go. <laughs> and there's the transition. So Dan, <laughs> what I want to talk about today is uh is good habits and systems and processes and how to take all these different things that we learn and like build a structure around it so that it becomes like second nature for us. Yes. Yes. And I was actually inspired to do this 
kind of whole topic conversation because of an email I got. Um, you and me were going to do a podcast last week, and so I was going to look through a bunch of listener questions and just put, put together kind of a Q&A type deal. And one of the questions I got was related to this. Specifically, he was asking about kind of like our goal system or sorry, goal setting habits, right? how we track progress, things like that. And they got me thinking about this bigger picture stuff, just in general, you know, these habits. And, you know, kind of like a generic definition of habits in this kind of way is, is, you know, something, an action in your life that at one point started as like a deliberate choice. Like you chose to, I don't know, eat a drink a Pepsi every morning on your way to work, maybe. That originally was a choice you made. And then you do it frequently enough and you got rewarded in some kind of way subconsciously enough that it became an automatic behavior. So there's these things all throughout our lives, right, that we do over and over and over again, and it becomes autopilot mode. Like we don't even think about it anymore. Um, they just happen. And yes. it's interesting that about a study uh, over in Duke University found that about 40% of the actions that we take on a given day are habit-based. So about 40% of what we do in a day is just autopilot. We don't even think about it. It's just done. It's just a habit. It's a pattern. It's a system that's just going and going and going. So this is good news if our habits are good ones. This is kind of scary news if we've got some bad habits. So that's why I think that this probably translates into you know what we're doing as hunters too because I'm sure there's a lot that we do as hunters, whether it be throughout the year leading up to hunting season or during a specific hunt that we're on autopilot for, or we're doing stuff just because it's the way we always do it, or we don't even think about it, but we're doing certain ways. Uh, And that can really impact, you know, the outcomes. So I think the thing is that if we recognize these habits, if we can start to identify where habits are in our life or where certain patterns are, we can start to say, okay, these are the good ones. We're going to kind of foster those. And these are the bad ones that maybe we need to change. And there's, there's a lot of studies out there, a lot of people looking into this kind of stuff. And and the, the fact is that, Habits can be changed. They can be replaced. They can be adjusted. So there's there's the ability for us to adjust these things. It's not just that we're stuck with what we do. That's good news. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. 
Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now, you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. I guess what I think we can do here is, is talk through... A little bit of what we do already, some of the habits that you and I already have in place, some of the things we like about those, some of maybe the, the areas where we feel like we're struggling, um, and then talk through some of the things I've been learning about how we can change those or different systems that I've read about and, and heard about other high performers using for their various tasks. Um, I think if, if there's any one common thing when it comes to these high performers that I was talking about earlier, those being like CEOs or physicists or you know professional athletes almost all of them have very well-structured lives. Like that's a very common trait. People don't, these these really, really high-achieving people, they don't just kind of go about their lives willy-nilly. Like they, they're very thoughtful about everything they do and how they do it and why they do it. So they have these thought-through routines and processes and habits, these yeah. kind of structures throughout their life that are that are intentional and that help them achieve whatever goals they have. So that's, that's what I think we can draw some inspiration from. Um, and I think that I think it can be applied to what we're doing here. So, so that all being the case, um, the first question that I had, this was that email question that I got that originally yep. made me think about this. I think it's a good one to start this whole conversation because a lot of the people that I've been reading about when it comes to good habits, good systems, good processes, one of the very most important things for all these high achievers is having goals, like really firmly understanding like what are your goals? What are these things you're shooting for? And then tracking those things. So that's kind of where I thought we should start because if we don't know what we want. And if we don't know how to really think about what we're striving for, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to know to get where you're going if you don't know where that is. So this first question is from a guy named Jake. And he emailed me and he said that he's been enjoying kind of the book recommendations I've been putting out there. And he said he just recently read a book called Measure What Matters by John Doerr. This John Doerr is a big Silicon Valley um, investor guy out there doing a bunch of early stage investing and things like that. And so Jake goes on to write to me. He said, quote, I imagine you know about the OKR process since you worked at Google. I'm interested to hear how or if you implement the OKR process into hunting objectives. And if you do, how do you recommend we do the same? End quote. So there's this question. He brings up this thing called OKRs. And OKRs uh, this is basically the goal setting and tracking system that we had in place at my old day job at Google. It stands for objective and key results, objectives and key results. And so what we had to do back in the day job was every quarter. So every three months, we would have to put together a set of OKRs for that quarter. And then we would have those as individuals. And then our team would have larger OKRs as well so that our manager would put together his team OKRs and then our individual OKRs would, help, would have to kind of funnel up into those. But basically what they were is, is an objective, so like a high-level goal. Um, maybe that's something like I want to 
you know, drive 10% growth in sales that my old day job. Now it might be something like I want to, um, you know, I want to have 10 new tree stands hung this year or set up 10 new trees to hunt from this year, something like that, whatever it might be, some high-level objective. And then the key results, and this is kind of the key with this whole system at the job, was that it's not okay just to have goals. You need to have actual key results that indicate success in those goals that can be measured. So um, maybe my first example of the tree stand wasn't good. Maybe I should just say I want to – kill a buck this year is a high level objective. And then key results would be like five things or three or four different things that you can do leading up to that goal, like things that would let that goal happen and that can be measured. So if the goal is I want to kill a deer, the key results might be I will have hunted a minimum of 10 times. Um, I will have you know spent a minimum of 10 hours scouting. I will have hung... 10 trail cameras, and I will have spent, you know, 15 hours practicing with my bow. These are arbitrary. But the key thing being have a high-level goal and then a set of actual things that you can do and make sure you're doing and check on um, that would lead to the success of that goal. And then every three months, we would have to go back and look at those and say, okay, how have I done as far as, you know, knocking out those goals? How have I made progress on these these things that I said I was going to be measuring and, and taking action on. Um, so we used to do that every three months, and at the end of the year, look back at the whole thing. And the, the gist of this was that, and the reason why we did it, was that you know having these high, high lofty goals are great, but most people never follow through on them. Most people don't really understand the small steps needed to achieve big things. Most people aren't tracking what's happening, and then they get to the end of the year, maybe like someone sets a New Year's resolution, and then a month in, you kind of fizzle out and you forget about it till next New Year. So with these OKRs, the thing is, like, okay, we have the high-level goal, we have the measurable, actionable steps that lead to it, and then we check often and we get accountability on it. So feedback on it, say, okay, how are we doing? Someone else reviews it with us. Um, and that led to people actually taking progress towards the goal. Because I think it's those baby steps. If you do all these baby steps leading up to it, you actually get stuff done. Yeah. So that's what I used to do. Um, do I use that still today? Not to the degree that we used to do it um, in my old day job. But I certainly take some of these things into account in my daily life. And um, I think this would be something we should, we should talk about, Dan. Like how do we set our goals? How do we track our goals? How do we make sure we're making movement on them? Um, you and me each year, usually in August, we do a podcast where we talk about our goals for each year, right. um, which I've always enjoyed. And that's like a fun, helpful thing. Um, but what I haven't done a good enough job of is really um, going beyond that. And I think I probably should after, you know, kind of rethinking through the old OKR process and and even looking at how some other people have been doing stuff like this. There probably is something to be said about trying to make yourself more accountable about all the little steps that lead to the big goals. So, you know, if I was better at this and I should be better at this, if my goal this year is to kill a four and a half year old buck in Michigan, let's say one of my goals, um, it would be really smart for me to line out four things I could do in the next, you know, six months that would help make that happen in my head. I know some of those things, um, but it would be a really smart system to put into place to start um, making myself a little bit more accountable to the steps along the way. Right. Um, 
I mean, uh, so right now, as far as like, what I do, right, we have our, our, our yearly conversation. You and me do our goals. Another thing that I do uh, the last handful of years is in the spring, usually, well, late winter, like February, March, I usually put together a deer hunting to-do list. So every different trip I'm going to go on or every you know main hunt or farm I'm going to hunt or whatever, I'll put together a to-do list of everything that's got to get done before the season starts. So I've got that already going now for this year. So I keep track of at least the tasks that I need to do. Um, and that's been a helpful adjustment that I've kind of added to my repertoire the last couple, three years, probably. Um, but I do think I could probably take it to the next level. Do you, how do you track this stuff, Dan? So I am a list maker, right? And, um, what I mean by that is like, not necessarily on the hunting things, but on the things I need to do before a certain date, Excuse me. So let's say, for example, I have a long-term to-do list or a list and a short-term list. And uh, so like the first thing that pops into my head, I'm looking at this whiteboard that I have in my office right now. And it's just a breakdown of everything I need to do for the sportsman's nation, right? I need to, you know, accomplish these goals by this date or not necessarily goals. They're just things I have to do before this, these dates, they have a date um, with them. Uh, so it's just like, uh, I need to m- do, you know, submit this RSS feed by this date. I need to have this profile set up by this date. I need to do all these things by this date. And if I don't, if I see that date creeping up on me, I need to, you know, work harder and faster on that. Right. It's basically just, uh, a, 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 the list, uh, and it's in order of importance. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing too, the prioritization. That's yeah. huge. Is is importance and then dates too, putting that kind of um restriction on it almost forces you to take action. And I think that what we've done a little bit, um, my wife and I, is we started doing like every New Year's Eve, we have I know this is like the third year we've done this now. We sit down and we make a set of goals for the year. Um, like, okay, there's like personal goals, work-related goals, family-related goals. Um, so we go and we set this, these goals up. But the first year or two, we would, we would make these goals on New Year's Eve, and then we didn't check back in on it until the next New Year's Eve. And we kind of failed on a lot of stuff. But it was good. We thought it was a good, helpful thing, and it encouraged a lot of good conversation. But then this past year, what we did is we started checking in, um, kind of doing what I used to do in, in, at work, but slightly less formalized, but we started checking in midway through the year. And then we started doing what you just said. We started putting dates on certain things. We started ranking certain things. Um, Just because stuff doesn't get done. Life just gets in the way unless you find ways to, to lock stuff in. And so same thing with like a hunting to-do list, like every year, I I can't tell you, I've gotten better, but every single year it gets to be late August or middle of August. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so many things I got to get done still before, you know, September when I try to stay out of the woods completely. Um, And so every year I've tried to get better utilizing these list systems and, and now starting to put dates on things. But now, now I'm much better than I used to be in that I've got these lists put together here in the early spring. And now I'm saying, okay, this project and this project, I got to get done before the end of May. This thing I got to get done before the end of June. And if you don't do that, it's just there's always some other thing that needs to be done more in your head right now. You know, I got to go yeah. pick up the kids. I got to take out the trash. I got to mow the lawn. I got to do this, got to do that. Um, it's only when, at least for me, 
the only way I can get things done well ahead of time without procrastinating on is if I put a date on it and I force it to happen. Like, okay, I know this thing has to happen. I need to make time for it because the time isn't just going to magically arrive. Like you have to carve it out somehow thought like proactively doing it. Yes. Um, but I'm, I struggle with that. Like I'm a procrastinator unless I force myself to do stuff like this. Um, and I feel like this is the stuff, like doing, like getting these early off-season projects done, getting the scouting done, getting all the work done. That is usually what's one of the main separators from mm. the the guy that gets out there and, and has a good time but doesn't fill his tag versus the guy or girl that gets out there and, and does fill fill the tag. Yeah, um, it's it's follow through. Right. I think that's I think that's key. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely big on those lists. And I think that I'm trying to, trying to find a way to, to, to get more accountable. And that's another thing with a lot of these habits and a lot of these systems and stuff is finding a way to get accountability around it. You know, and it's almost like, I feel like with you, like having someone like you that I can talk to every year about this, there's a certain level, like an accountability partnership here. Like, yeah, absolutely. You can call me out if I'm not doing something else I was going to do. I can call you out if you're not doing something you're not doing. Um, but I feel like we all, or at least I benefit from that. We could probably all benefit yeah. from having people like that, that keep track of stuff and call us out when we're not taking action, you know? Yeah. Someone to throw the, the, the bullshit card every once in a while. Yeah. It's almost like I imagine that you could, I think this is a simple thing that everyone could do that would probably help is if, you know, right now, you put together this kind of list for yourself. Okay, here's a couple high-level goals I have for my hunting season. Here are the two or three or four steps I need to take to achieve that goal. And then do this with a friend. Like get one of your other hunting buddies to do the same thing. Both of you guys put together your lists and and like share them with each other and say, here's my list. And your buddy gives his list to you. And then you just like make a deal and say, all right, we're going to hold each other to this. And maybe plan on like a check-in, you know, halfway from now to the opening day of hunting season. Maybe you guys just need to plan. All right, hey, on this day, we're going to go get a beer and we're going to check on our progress. Um, make sure we're taking action on some of this stuff. Make sure we're making progress on this stuff. And I think, right. that, I think that's like a pretty simple way to um, to notice some real improvements just by doing the stuff you know you have to do. I feel like that's such a thing. Like we know a lot of the stuff we should be doing to have success. It's just, do we follow through on all of it? Yeah. And this seems to be a good way to do it. I'll be the first one to say, yes, I have these lists. Uh, and yes, I have all this stuff, but just like you, um, I'm not going to say I'm not necessarily a procrastinator, but one thing I'm not good at is when I, so like, I like to, I like to have things set in place but I am not necessarily good at adjusting when chaos enters my life or when a wrench gets thrown into the spokes per se. Right. So let's say I have all, you know, I have this list and at at the end of the list today, I want to shoot my bow. But if something happens where my wife needs to hop on a meeting at work, then I don't get the work, my work done because I'm watching a kid and then everything gets pushed back. And then shooting my bow or maybe working out or, uh, maybe, you know, doing some extra stuff on the business side of things takes a back seat. So that just means that I am up an hour 
two hours later in a day, you know, trying to get all this done. And then I get, I get to the point where I'm just like, screw it. I'll do it tomorrow or screw it. I'll do it, which is kind of like procrastinating, but it's not by my own choice. If that makes sense. Yeah. I totally relate to that. Um, that's, that's something I definitely deal with. And I, 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 I wonder if that goes back to kind of what we were talking about, like the prioritization thing. And it's like identifying certain things that are easy to get bumped. Like, for example, I do this all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with a couple of things like this. Like right now, um, I have fallen off the bandwagon when it comes to like regular running and cardio workout. Yep. Um, usually Same I'm pretty here. good about it, but I've just fallen off the bandwagon, have, have let bad habits seep back in. And it's one of those things that I tell myself, all right, I get out there and do it. I got to get back out there and do it. But it's always just like what you just said. Something comes up and I was going to do it in the afternoon and then uh, work got crazy. Now it's already 530 and I got to be helping with dinner and I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. And if I were to take my own advice, which is what I should be doing, I should be doing what I'm talking about here. I should probably find a way to incorporate if I think that's so important for myself, which I do think so. I need to man up and build a better habit around it that forces it to happen before things can interfere. Right. So it's like what I need to do and what I what I used to do successfully and fell off was that I would wake up early in the morning. First thing I would do would be go for a run before anything else can get in the way. Right. If I get it done right away, no other obstacles could get in my way on that. And that that whole like morning routine thing is a good segue for something I was going to mention. Um one of the things that I've tried really hard, struggled with, but have gotten much better at it is developing a morning routine. And this is another one of those things when I, when you look at all these high, high achievers and high performers, another big consistent uh, pattern with these people is that they start their mornings in like a really planned, thoughtful way. Like a morning routine is like, if you go out there and like Google morning routine, there's tons and tons and tons of stuff written about this. Like there's been a lot of evidence that shows that the people that have a certain way they start their days and don't just, you know, don't wake up at a random time and kind of fiddle faddle around, but actually have a plan and getting their day started off the right way, do the same things, have good habits around it. Like for, for a a number of different reasons, it really leads to positive change. Good stuff. So I've been trying to develop that myself. Like my tendency is I like to stay up late and I would like to sleep in late. If it was like, if it was just my body doing what my body would do, I can sleep in late and I just do that. But I don't want to do that. Like I want to be up early and getting stuff done. So I've had like a really hard time over the last I don't know, 10 years to do that. Cause I used to be good back in the day job. And then I quit my day job and started working for myself. Then I would just like sleep till I wanted to sleep. I was like, Hey, this is great. I'll wake up when I want to wake up and enjoy the day in that kind of way. Um, but I just found that it, your day got off to a sluggish start and, and I've been you know, the last five years or so changing that and, and waking up early for me, except for if it's like for hunting season or going on a fishing trip or some kind of thing like that, where there's like, I don't know, that reward, I can get up and go for that. But getting up for just a daily day, just a regular work day, man, I'm, I'm a chronic hitting the snoozer kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so what I started doing was actually uh, implementing something that uh, that kind of falls right into this stuff. If you're trying to change a habit, one of the things I've read a lot about, one of the things that I've tried to incorporate, so if you're trying to change a habit, maybe it's to try to start running every day or waking up early every day, 
is going for incremental change. Like it's really hard to go from doing something to doing like a completely different dramatic thing. Like so to go from waking up at seven in the morning to waking up at four in the morning would be really hard to do. Um, and if you can't do it that one time, it just becomes harder and harder to repeat it. So the theory is that if you can shoot for small goals at first, shoot for something that's achievable first and achieve it. So what I did is I said, okay, I, my body usually wakes up at seven, but I want to be waking up earlier. So I'm just going to try to wake up at six 30 and do that and try to f- try to form like a consistency there. And so I started waking up at 6.30. So it's only half an hour earlier. It's not that different. My body wasn't that messed up. I could achieve it. And every time I did it, I did it day after day after day, it became a little bit easier. And you also get a little bit of a reward, right? Like you did the thing you said you were going to do, that feels good. Um, So this is theory of incremental change. And then the theory of small wins. This is this other thing. So if you're trying to make a big change, start with these small little changes that you can actually achieve and get done because that builds momentum, kind of like a snowball. And then you find a small win, so a small reward. Uh, So that's kind of what I did there. I started, okay, I'm going to get up at 6.30. That felt good, rewarded myself, got the outcomes I was wanting, and then I would slowly push it. So now now I wake up at 6 a.m. every day. I have more time to get the stuff done I want to get done, feeling good about it, and it's much easier to do all these other things I want to do. Now what I need to get back to is I used to wake up around 5.30, go for the run, get showered, start working. Then a bunch of crazy stuff with work just made it harder and then have a baby made it harder for me to to get all that stuff done but now I'm trying to now I'm trying to get back into it. Well what so basically my morning routine is I get up at 6, have a cup of water, organize my day, kind of set my to-do list for the day, um drink a cup of coffee and then get into my hardest work um right out the gate is what I do on like a regular work day. Um I'm curious what your regular day morning routine is like Dan, but then we should talk about what our hunting morning routine looks like. I think yeah. that's one of these things that could apply to hunting that I think would be interesting to look at. Yeah. So I'll be completely honest. My my hunting routine and my morning routine at home are completely different. 100% completely different. When, And I'm going to start with the hunting first because I'm more proud of it. Like the, <laughs> well, and the reason I say that is because I get out of the tree stand, let's say, and I'm just going to jump right into the full blown rut where yeah. you're hunting morning and you're hunting, you know, uh, most of the day, right. And you're hunting evening. So I get home after an evening hunt, I organize all my gear, uh, charge my Ozonics batteries, whatever, you know, lay, put my, uh, uh, set my boots by the chair, have my socks ready to go, have my pants ready to go, have my bow, um, in the truck. So all I have to do is take it out. Like all these things It's just, I mean, it's, it's literally, a, I, I plan my day in a straight line, wake up, walk out to the, you know, shower, walk out to the garage, uh, get dressed, hop in the car, drive to the property, pick out what I need to pick out of the truck, turn on or uh, turn on my headlamp, go to the tree stand like that. It, it's, it's that organized where there's hardly any problems. Right. Uh, I get home from the morning hunt. I do the same thing. I set up, I set everything up to where I know it's almost, there's a lean manufacturing term called five S where you, you put everything in a specific spot. So you know where it's at, you know, you know that it's going to be there the next day and there's no issues, right? It's just, it's clean. It's smooth. Like there's no, there's no issues now at home. Like I got a son who still gets up. 
uh, throughout the middle of the night. Right. So last night he got up twice, once at once at uh, two and once at four. And he cries and he cries and he cries and he cries. Right. We try the cry out method doesn't work. So if we don't give him a bottle or we don't put him in our bed or whatever, then that just means I'm up. Right. So there's no like in, in my life now. I got to sleep when I can sleep, right? Because I'm waking up multiple times a night because whether I'm the one going and getting him or I'm the one, uh, like my wife goes and gets him, I'm still waking up, right? So then some mornings I can wake up at 5.30 when the kid wakes up or sometimes like today I can sleep until six something. And and there's no like, there's no organization. There's no straight line. It's just like, I got, we wake up, I got kids saying, Hey, I want breakfast. I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. There's no routine. It's just complete and utter chaos every morning. And even when I try to get things organized, it just, it seems like it quickly falls out of that line, right? Just because of the chaos, the chaotic state that the household is in every single day. Yeah, that, that's got to be challenging. Yeah, yeah. So I know this is kind of maybe a little bit off off the topic, but I think it's very important because for me, and I think for you, you are very passionate about hunting and the outdoors. Or uh, I won't say the outdoors because I know your wife is pretty outdoorsy too, but you as far as hunting – Right. Yeah. And, and me, as far as hunting and my wife, she likes the outdoor, like she likes hunting, but it's not her passion. Right. So how have you addressed this issue to where, yes, you want everything in your hunting world to be organized, but maybe somebody else like your wife doesn't really care about that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point. And, 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 where I get into trouble, and this just came up the other day. There was some, there was a project in the house at the house that I was working on. I did it. I thought I did just a fine job with it. My wife felt like I did a half-assed job with it, and she was really frustrated with it because she's like, "How come there's all these things around the house that need to get done, and you just kind of schmuck it together?" But then when it comes to hunting, you don't cut any corners. You talk about how important the details are. You're working so hard at this stuff. So why are you prioritizing that stuff and doing quality work? And then you do a half-assed job here at home. And that was yeah. like, that, that was a hard burn. That was a hard burn. Yeah. And and I, I don't try to do that. Like I'm not purposefully trying to do a half-assed job standing the deck or something like that. But um, – but maybe that maybe she's right. Maybe there's certain things like stuff that I don't enjoy as much or stuff that I just like has to get done because it has to get done. Um, you know, maybe I'm guilty of that. She might have made a good point and I don't know how to deal with that. It's like to your earlier point, it's like almost the biggest thing I've been trying to do is understanding what really matters to my wife as far as um, – what is she prioritizing? So for her, like it's like action and service is really important to her. So like, it's not how much I tell her I love her or how nice I am to her or how well I treat her or anything like that. That's great. But the stuff that really fills her up is like acts, acts of service. So actually doing things to help her doing things around the house. Um, all that stuff is the stuff that really shows her that I care. And so 
I struggle with that because I used to be much more like I verbalize stuff, but I'm not as good as like doing all those kinds of things. She's much more of like the taking care of people. And I guess maybe I get a little bit tunnel vision and I get focused on something that I'm working on and then I, I get the blinders and I don't do as good at helping other folks. So that's been a struggle for me and I've been trying to recently like just prioritize it, like figure out I actually have <clears> – <throat> this kind of ties into everything. I've tried to place cues within my life to make sure I think about these other things. So I've got post-it note right next to my computer. So that's the place where I'm usually so focused on work and that's where I get into trouble because I get in here and I'm working on some project and I'm obsessing over work. Now I've got a cue right next to me that I see every day that reminds me, it says, what have you done around the house today? Like making sure that because I'm so passionate about the outdoors and my outdoor projects there, I'm spending all this time on that. I need to give back just as much though to this other part of my life that is more important, but sometimes I get sidetracked by the thing I'm passionate about outside of it. Um, So I I think I've tried to recognize that there's this imbalance, try to figure out ways to remind myself to, you know, fix, make sure I don't get off track. And if I'm doing that, if I'm showing my care and, 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 and love for my family through my action, that helps my wife understand why I'm so, or helps my wife be okay with the amount of time and passion I put into the other stuff. As long as I'm keeping the scales balanced with the thing that matters to her most. So the thing that matters to her most is that doing my share here at the house, doing things like that. Um, You know, if I brought her flowers every time I got back from a hunting trip, she wouldn't give a shit about that. That wouldn't help. But if I were to spend, if I were to take a weekend out of hunting season and do a bunch of stuff around the house or put together something that she really wanted to get done, that's the kind of thing. Um, so I don't know if that hundred percent answers your question, but like, that's how I'm trying to tackle that. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Oh, just like, it's kind of the same. Right. But it's just, our lives are so busy. Right. And now that it's crazy because at, when I was, had my cubicle job, I had a routine. I was up, I was up in the morning. I did this little thing. You know, I did that. I went to work. I worked out over my lunch break. I, you know, went back to work. I came home. I had a schedule every day for podcast until X time. And then after that, it was family time all after that, like complete routine. Now, since I've had to take the kids out of daycare, right? Because, you know, we're not making the same money that we're making anymore. Uh, I took the kids out of daycare and yes, we're saving money, but now there's, you know, 16 hours a week if like, I'm not going to say 16 hours because that's just the amount of time that the kids were at daycare, 16 to 20 hours a week that I no longer have to work on things. So now that has to be re- redistributed throughout three other days, four other days, five other days of the week. Sundays and Saturdays are typically for the family, right? And I can't just like, oh, hey, I got this work to do. Go. That's kind of, that kind of frustrates my wife right? Or whether I need to shoot my bow or I need to work out, right? To get ready for, you know, this Colorado trip. And it just, I don't know, it, it's, I need to stop this snowball from getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's very hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. I hundred percent am right there with you. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. 
let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. Comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. I think this is a good this is a good opportunity to talk about then uh, what I've been researching and understanding about how to create or change a habit. So let's talk about your situation right there. You got a shit ton of stuff going on, really busy, lots of chaos. Um, but you want to do something like um, in, incorporate a shooting your bow habit, like right? Would you say you wish you had a better habit of shooting your bow? Yes. Okay. So from the reading I've done, there's a couple things that they're saying that can help you create this kind of habit or or change a bad habit. So. Number one is just defining what behavior it is you want to change. So you want to, you know, start shooting your bow more consistently. You want to develop a habit around shooting your bow and somehow find a way to fit that into the chaos. So the number one thing we're going to do is, is define it. And then you got to figure out what's the trigger. So habits come in. There's, there's three steps in a habit. If like when people actually break this down for research and stuff, what they found is that there's, it's a three part process. So there's the first part, which is called the trigger or the cue. This is the thing that like kicks your mind into autopilot. And, and what it's interestingly, people have done these studies where they put up um, receptors on different people's brains and actually watch how brain waves change as people go throughout their daily lives. And researchers specifically trying to study habits see that there is this spike in brain activity once a trigger happens. So we'll say, um, Maybe a hypothetical scenario might be someone who has a habit of drinking that Pepsi on their way to work. So the trigger is that they are about to walk out to the car and they know that before they get to the car, they always grab a Pepsi. So there's this trigger and then there's the reward. The reward is that first swig of Pepsi, that bubbly carbonation and the sugar hit and all that great stuff. That's the reward. So there's the trigger, there's the behavior or the routine, and then there's the reward. So the key to changing a habit, number one, what these folks say is you need to identify what those things are. If you have a bad habit, 
or you need to create those things if you're trying to create a new habit. So we'll say in your case, you want to shoot your bow more often. The trigger, there's got to be something that's going to trigger you to remember when you need to do it. Like developing that system is the way to do this. So for me, I've struggled with the same thing where I will push off shooting my bow. I won't get to it as often as I want to. Or if it's too inconvenient, it becomes outside of you know the realm of my daily life. Then I just don't end up following through. So when I've done a good job of this, what I started doing is I would actually put the bow in my mudroom right by um, the door so that I would actually see it before I stepped out. And, and I used I don't do this right now. I do it now in my barn. But I used to have my bow hanging up right next to the door, and then I had a target right outside of the door on the side of the barn. So I would, as I walk out the door to go do something, or if I went in there to get some something for some reason, I'd see the bow, and then it triggers, oh, hey, shoot that bow. And then right then I could go ahead, open the door, shoot three arrows, and get that kind of develop that habit. Just something to trigger your brain. Remember to do this, and then you've got to have that basic routine. Then the key is then some kind of reward. Um, so you can kind of flub this. You can make it your own reward, or sometimes there's a natural reward. Um, so then it's just knowing what that feels like. So maybe in your case, you set your bow somewhere that you're going to see it and remember, okay, every morning at 6.30 a.m. when I walk out, I wake up, I walk out, take a piss, and then I'm going to see my bow sitting over top of the refrigerator or something so that before I can go and grab my iced coffee or whatever I want to eat for breakfast, I'm going to see the bow right there, which is going to cue me to say, hey, before you can eat breakfast, you have to shoot your bow 10 times. So you grab that bow, you step outside, you shoot 10 times, and then you have got to give yourself a reward. So maybe that reward is just going to be some sense of self-satisfaction, or maybe you tie the reward of you can't drink your coffee until after you shoot your bow. So now you're forcing yourself, you're reminded right away with that trigger when you walk to the freezer, you shoot your bow, and then you get the reward of drinking your coffee. Studies that have shown if you can do something like that, about two months, 66 days is the number I saw. If you can do something 66 times consistently, it will move from uh, a behavior that you are actively thinking about to becoming ingrained and your body just wants to do it and you build that momentum. So then you get the snowball effect, but it's the positive snowball effect. So you're going to get up and you're like, okay, let's do it, do it. And then you get your coffee. And so by putting that kind of thing in a period of your day where you do have control and then developing a system around it, supposedly this is a way you can start incorporating these good things into your life. So I think you could do that with shooting your bow. I think someone could do that by with like, I'm what I'm trying to do is, is get back to my running habit. So for me with my running habit, what I'm trying to do now is my cue in the morning so that I can't ignore it so that it just becomes part of my thing is I put my running shoes out right next to the door. So I walk out in the morning, take a leak. And then when I want to go to my office, instead of walking to my office, my running shoes are sitting right there. So it's just that big cue that boom, got to get your running habit in, get that. And then after that, then I can eat my breakfast. Um, so that's kind of this system that people are talking about that supposedly can help you create these new positive habits. So I think, you know, there's these things that apply to us in preparation for hunting, um, or you might have a bad habit. And the big thing with people that have bad habits, let's, I don't know what that might be in the hunting context, um, but I'm sure there's lots of bad habits we have. Like the bad habit maybe is procrastinating on getting all your tree stand prep done or whatever. Um, right. 
So what they're saying, the key thing to do here is, is to, again, identify the, the three parts of your habit. So try to figure out what's the trigger, what's cueing my bad behavior, what is this thing that I'm always doing, this routine, and then finally, what's the reward I get? Um, so what they what the researchers have found is that it's very, very hard to change a trigger and a reward. What you want to do is you want to keep the same trigger, keep the same reward, change the routine in the middle. So... We'll go back to the Pepsi drinking thing. It's really hard to change the bad thing you're drinking on the way to work if you just try to up and change it. But if you were to try to change that habit by having the same trigger, so on the same trigger, let's say you're walking out, you're going to go to the fridge because that's what you always do. You're going to get that trigger. The routine is what you can change. So in the middle, change the routine from grabbing the Pepsi to now instead you're going to grab the sparkling water, let's say. That's the healthier alternative. And then you're going to get the same reward, though, because it's got that same fizziness and it's got a little bit of sweetness to it. So those are like ways to make a change in your life that makes it easier. Try to get something that has the same reward, the same cue, just that better middle part. Um, so I'm thinking like there's ways to apply that into what we do as hunters. Like when you're in, tree, when you're in the tree stand, here's a bad habit of mine. I sit in the tree stand. I found this out a couple of years ago when one night I decided to go out there and now I do this more often. I'll just turn my phone off and put it in my backpack. Don't have my phone at all with me in the tree stand. What I discovered that I did is that I'd be sitting there. I would do a scan, look around, look around. And then I had this like, I had no control over it. My hand just would go to the pocket and I was going to grab my phone out and look at it. And I didn't even think about it. It just happened. I had this like compulsion and then I kept realizing, oh, I don't have my phone. And then 10 minutes later, I would reach for my phone. And I was like, oh, I don't have my phone. And then 15 minutes later, two minutes later, I'd reach for my phone. Oh, I don't have my phone. And I realized I have this horrible habit of like getting so easily distracted when I'm hunting by my phone. So I imagine that's something that you could probably change that. You could find something, you've got this trigger that is, hey, I need something to distract me or something. And then the reward is you get some tiny little distraction. Um, but the bad routine in the middle was looking at my phone. Um, I don't know what this would be, but maybe there'd be some different thing. Maybe you could have like a little stress ball or something in your hand, in your pocket. And then when you typically would try to go and grab your phone because you've looked around for 10 minutes and haven't seen anything, instead of doing that, you just grab the little fiddle gadget or your little stress ball or whatever. And that's the little thing that takes your mind off the monotony for a couple minutes and then you're back at it. Um, I think that's how you could start implementing this kind of system, um, to deal with various things in your, in your hunting world too. Um, I don't know. Does any of that resonate or make sense? Yeah, man, it does. Um, I get that, I get that same kind of thing where, you know, when I'm close, I hunt closer to my house as opposed to my main farm, my main farm, I don't get like 3g or 4g or anything down in there. So I don't have that problem. Right. I, I get like one bar, two bars. I basically get enough, uh, enough, I guess, coverage to where if I kill a deer then, or shoot a deer, I can call, even if the call gets dropped, uh, people know that I've killed a deer. Right. So, cause I don't call people when it's, when I'm hunting. Right. So, right. so, um, I, I don't typically have that problem. It's just, man, my, my big problem is when chaos it like i have my path but when chaos enters it and i don't know that's something i'm i work on every single day yeah 
there was um this book I was reading by a guy named Tim Ferriss who um kind of this is his big main shtick is that he does he's got a, one of the most highly listened to podcasts out there a lot of very successful books um it's all about analyzing these top performers so he's kind of doing exactly what we're talking about and one of his big uh, takeaways one of the big kind of rules coming out of all these different interviews he did with all these different people was that the, the basically what he says he's this quote that he said is do not work more to fix overwhelm prioritize so it's just like what you're talking about better like if you're overwhelmed with chaos if there's just too much going on very often the solution to that isn't by just like trying to do more and more and more and more very oftentimes the best way to deal with that is the prioritization um, I feel like that applies exactly to what you're saying. It's like figure out a way to to rank order things and then push stuff up on that list if it's typically getting getting knocked off. I think that's that's kind of the big thing he saw. And then the other thing for me, I always remind myself, and this is more of like when I'm dealing with a big project versus like lots and lots of little things. But whenever I'm dealing with a big project. <clears throat> I always remember that old adage that uh, you know how do you eat a how do you eat an elephant or how do you eat a whale or something? It's bite, yeah. it's bite by bite. So just yeah. like little step, little step, little yeah. step. Um, so that's that's how I've been trying to approach the big stuff. But but yeah, it's it's also frustrating. And this is where, and I think a lot of guys, you know, what would you say the breakdown for the demographic of men versus women for this podcast? Like ninety five percent men, five percent women, or or is it more like ninety ten? I think it's ninety ten. Ninety ten. Okay, so ninety percent of the the men on this podcast, whether your your wife is a hunter or she's not, I'm just gonna say a, a majority of them are men, right? So I don't, or maybe a woman can relate to this too. I don't know. Um, I better just stop talking before I dig a hole. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I what I got it is okay. So. To, to, to do this passion that we have takes time, right? And if I'm doing that, that means my wife is with the kids. If I'm in this office working, um, my wife is with the kids, right? Uh, because we're not in daycare. We don't have daycare anymore. If I'm doing something related to my business or my um, hobby, which is now this big gray area, um, my wife is with the kids. And I know that spending time with my kids can be very frustrating because I now spend time with the kids. I have to figure out a way to like, I don't necessarily want to say train her or like help her or I don't like, I don't know how to do this without like I'm gone. She has to be with the kids and, and when she's with the kids, then she's frustrated. Like she gets frustrated. So I don't know. I'm trying to find out what I need to do so she's less frustrated to make things less frustrating for her when I'm not in the picture. Mm. Okay, so what you need to do is you need to develop a habit for your wife by establishing a cue when you leave to go hunting. So yeah, she right. starts a routine and then there's a reward when you get back. So then yeah. she starts having a positive association with you being gone for hunting. No, yeah, I, right. I, know, I know what you mean. Um, man, you know, the only other thing on like the only other thought that comes to my mind as I think about the same challenge I've had to a degree is, um, is efficiency. It's like, how do I cut out the other fat? 
because I, I don't want to cut out the importance of the family time and my family obligations. And I don't want to cut out the important, uh, you know, hunting work related obligations, but I'm finding myself like, I don't have time to do it all. Or I'm making sacrifices where I don't want to make sacrifices. What I've tried to do and, and not that I've figured this out at all completely, but the, the, what I've been trying is finding out where to trim things up elsewhere. Like where's the other stuff that doesn't really matter to me, but I spend time um, just because it's a habit that I could cut. So I don't need to watch Netflix for an hour on a Thursday. I don't need to look at my phone for 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there and 20 minutes here. If you, if you added up all the time you looked at Facebook or Instagram or read news articles throughout a day, that might be an hour of time if you took every five minutes and 10 minutes and three minutes and added it all up. So it's like I've been trying to figure out ways to to free up chunks of time by cutting out the small stuff and like just being more efficient with my time. Because one of my, kind of like you just said, and me and my wife were just talking about this. One of my big challenges is that I, o- I overcommit. Like I'm always too many projects, too many things, too many goals, too much I'm trying to do. Um, I'm constantly running behind. I'm constantly feeling overwhelmed. I'm constantly too busy. Uh, and it's, it's you know, number one, I could be doing a better pri- job prioritizing. Number two, maybe from the front end, I should be doing a better job of understanding what I'm saying yes to. But once you're committed to stuff, you're committed to stuff. At that point, then it's like, just have to use your time better. Like, I just need to figure out a w- better way to cut the junk out there. Because like, I'm not, I don't think any of us are 100% on task every second. Like yeah. no one's perfect like that, but maybe I could get half hour better every day, or maybe I could find ways to, you know, remove some other bad habit. My, maybe it's, I mean, I'm trying to think to myself, what do I do? Um, I don't know. It's, you don't it's need just, to watch game of Thrones. Right, right. There's a great example. There's an hour a week, um, yep. that you could cut that really in the long scheme of things, is that really going to change your life? No. <laughs> um, like, do I need but to it's watch? So good. Right. It's so good. But there's an easy, you know, there's an right. easy six hours over the next six weeks that you could have back to work on your big deer hunting project to yep. work on a big job project or to, to do the important thing that your wife really wants to get done around the house to make her feel a little bit better about, you know, us going off and doing our thing. So there's probably, if we, if, if, I'm guessing if each one of us sat down for like 20 minutes now and just kind of thought through our day and wrote down a list of like little things we do that don't really matter, but that we just always do, we could probably find some time to do things the way we really should. Yep. I agree. So that's uh that's one thing to, to think about. Um, you know, the, what have we talked about here? We've talked about creating habits. We've talked about changing habits. We've talked about, the importance of setting goals and being able to quantify and track them. We've talked about having accountability partners. Uh, we've talked about some of these habits, how you might be able to establish a, a practicing with your bow habit or a running habit. Um, talked about some of these struggles we've had balancing time between family obligations and our passion. Um, what do you think, Dan, about you and me trying to take on a change like this, each of us in our own lives? And hold each other accountable to it and then like report back and, and try to demo something like this for folks and see if we can do it. Yeah, man, I'm down. What do you want to do? Do you want to do the bow? Because I need to do better there too. Do we want to try to put together something in place that we can each do and try to stick to? Well, I think, I think a lot of these things come 
right? Like also with lean manufacturing, we do something called a five Y, right? And we talk about, I wrote an article about this a while ago, but it's about, okay, why didn't I shoot my bow? And then you ask your, and then you answer that question yep. uh, because I didn't have time. Why didn't you have time? Well, because I was, you know, life is chaotic. Why is it chaotic? Well, it's because, you know, whatever. And you go back five times and, and this is to help find a root cause to your problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So my goal is to do something like this. And I don't know if we can necessarily, I can necessarily do it right now, but I want to be able to, I think if I, if I find the root cause, it clears up much more than me finding time. It's going to allow me to be more efficient, uh, in my work week. It's going to be, uh, it's going to allow me to be more efficient with my family. And, uh, so my goal, uh, what I want to do is try to figure out what I need to do. And this might just be a conversation I have with her about what I need to do, what a conversation with my wife to make my wife less stressful. And you know, I don't know, like something like that. Yeah. I like it. Well, what about this? What if we both think about what we want things to be? You can do some exploring and maybe talk with talk with your wife, figure out, yeah. try to figure out the root cause. When we come back for the next podcast together, let's yep. both have like one thing that we both want to do better or different. And we'll make an agreement between each of us. Like, here's the thing we're each going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. And then you and me, we can try to keep each other accountable on it throughout the rest of the year. Right. Does that All sound right. a good plan? Yeah, dude. Cool. We can try to we can try to demo some of these ideas we're talking about here, and uh, maybe you can you and I can both get better at something here, and and maybe help folks see how they can incorporate some some possible positive change into their hunting life as well, and uh, that might be fun. So, anything else on this topic you want to make sure we hit on before uh, before we wrap it up? No, I'm good, man. All right. Well then. Um, I think we should just shut it down and then check back in soon. And that's going to do it for us today. Hope you enjoyed this one. You know, if you were interested in this topic, there's a couple books that I've read that uh, that I found pretty handy. I mentioned Tim Ferriss. He's got a book called The Tools of Titans and another one called Tribe of Mentors, both of which um, combine a whole bunch of different answers to questions related to these topics from various high performers that Tim has interviewed they're great resources. I also referenced a couple books by Charles Duhigg. There's one called The Power of Habits, and there's another one called, oh, what is it? Smarter, Faster, Better. Both of these talk about habits and different um, different types of processes and things you can do to become a higher achiever, high performer, the kind of stuff that we're trying to do here as hunters. So lots more out there on the internet too. Lots of good podcasts. Um, Tim Ferriss's show again is a good one along those lines. So hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found this interesting and maybe you'll try incorporating a few things into your own, uh, your own schedule. Try it out. Let us know what you think. And until next time, thanks for being you. Thanks for following Wired to Hunt and stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules 
from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. 